Hello, the internet. You're listening to They Came From The Silver Screen, a podcast where we talk about films each week and talk about their cultural relevance. I'm Josh Tregenza. As always, my co-host is Damien Danaher. How we doing, Damien? Great to be here, mate. Great to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. We've had a bit of a hiatus due to technical difficulties. Bit of a hiatus. But we got it all sorted out and we're back into it. Absolutely. It was a bit of a bit of a skip, you know, a bit of a hurdle in uh, proceedings. But uh, as uh, the uh, immortal uh, Ian Malcolm always said, you know, uh, life found a way. So here we are. We're back again. And we tied our seatbelts together to make sure that we could fasten ourselves in. Absolutely, because, you know, we're, we're busy men and we don't have time to work out the intricate, you know, inner workings of a belt buckle. We need to establish the metaphor of two females coming together to make the whole... <laughs> you know, that never occurred to me before now. Really? That never occurred to me because the buckle... Yeah. Oh my God. They're both the female. He tied yeah. two vaginas together and made it work. And made it work. Yeah. Oh, man. Finds a way, man. Finds a way. Oh, I'm so happy about that. I did. This, <laughs> listeners, is what you pay zero dollars to come across. This is what we deal with. We deal with the hot red button revelations from films that came out almost 20 years ago <laughs> if not more the genius of spielberg lives on uh, to this day despite himself physical metaphors oh bueno i love it so muy bien muy indeed. bien indeed so but we're not talking about jurassic park this week no i don't i don't know why <laughs> we got we we have got to change up like our uh <laughs> Our methodology of introducing films because like without fail we will introduce a film by talking about a completely different one for at least 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes <laughs> which then just leads well, the whole audience i presume to well, like question why the hell didn't we just talk about that film and we might you know listeners if you want us to talk about jurassic park please let us know and then maybe we will who knows you may learn some more things like we have just done but this week we are not doing jurassic park nope we are not even doing um a superhero film no blockbusters uh, here though it is tangential no vagina yeah. imagery no, uh, probably not. not well i don't think we see any not overt anyway <laughs> but this week we're um as we as we said the uh, Last time when we did Man of Steel, uh, we're doing uh, we're doing Creed. Creed, the unofficial the, the Rocky Seven reboot. Yeah, it's Rocky Seven. Mm-hmm. But it's really? not. Well, I mean, it's the seventh in the series. Is it? Yeah. It was because it was Rocky Four, and then Five. What was Rocky Five about? Five was about like uh, his former protege, who he trained then betraying him and going against him and then he, oh. had to, he had to get back in the game and you know fight his his former you know charge and something happened i saw an interview with him where they asked him to this is stallone rate um all of the rocky movies and he gave five a zero so i don't think we really need to explore it too much i forgot about it yeah it, no i knew no, like no. rocky balboa 2006 that came out 
a beautiful and that was film. kind of and that was that was that was okay it was a, it was a weird film it was very much like the mid 2000s like that was the sort of shit that was coming out like the weird like oh, like weird 80s sort of films but they weren't like they were 80s films but they were in now and it didn't make any sense to be like in nowadays we were sort of starting to kick off a lot of that um kind of macho 80s nostalgia mm. i can't recall Plus Stallone did it as with um rambo rambo as well yeah and then i can't recall what year the first expendables came out but it wasn't too many years it must after. have been think, around that time i think it was 2009 mm. i don't know Makes for sense. sure but um but it was all around that period that uh we started seeing uh, the nostalgia kick in, and I think, I think to be perfectly honest, it was more the nostalgia of the stars of these movies that, mm. you know, really just really wanted to be in a movie again. Yeah, well, yeah, it it definitely seemed like like Sly was like he was trying to get back into it. I think he wanted and to like, he wanted to he, do a do over as well. Mm. He wanted to end. Which he wanted was... to end it on on better terms, which I mean, like you know, I've only seen bits of five, and this is like years ago as well. But mm. hot damn, you're not you're not missing out on anything. Whereas you know, Balboa, because it was written and directed by Stallone, was actually, you know, as I recall it, I haven't seen it since last year. A really sort of sensitive and kind of heartfelt re-examination of the whole franchise really and you know where he ended up and all that sort of stuff it was actually very mm. very tender surprisingly yeah well yeah it, it was really it was really tender for rocky the character like it had paulie it had adrian like it's because i watched well it had adrian it had adrian's it. grave that's true yeah but it had who like it was the um Adrian de facto I think it was his sister Rocky's sister oh no no it was like some it was a oh I forget her name I forget the 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 actress's name but she played like a a slightly younger girl that Rocky had like known growing up mm, and but then, yeah, it was like a, this de facto Adrian sort of like hey give him that push he needs yeah you know the kind of the, the feminine support like you know mm. the the yin to the yang the kind of like you know you have to be sensitive to be a good fighter sort of thing and um yeah 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 you know it, yeah that that's what threw me because i thought I, I thought she was adrian because i didn't watch the whole thing i was like saw bits of it and i was like man is that adrian like i thought she was gone by no then, man but... she did she did do you know what we're doing yeah what we're talking about another movie yeah but this one leads up to it and it's really and it actually it's really weird because we're not even talking about like the best rocky films like we're not talking about one and four one and four were absolutely like three the best. and then so one four three two balboa and then five i guess i'm like those were that, like that's how that's how it plays out as it's like, an interesting that, bell curve like, that like series of movies where you have one um and watch me do a good segue here we have the first movie which was very much this kind of uh cinema verite examination of a boxer down on his luck you know just trying to make ends meet a very sort of working class uh brass tacks basic you know uh examination of 
just one man and his desire to uh, follow a, a dream or whatever. Then hmm. you and but and he succeeds by losing. Yes, that's how the first movie ends, and then the grand distillation of the opposite of that we see in number four where basically it's all about spectacle not really about emotion i mean look i mean in four you've got carl weathers you've got apollo creed getting killed Mm. by ivan drago in the ring but that didn't really serve as any kind of like brand emotional uh, cadence so much as just a a script uh excuse for rocky to then you know go forth and participate in one of the greatest on-screen uh workout montages of all time and by the end of that film he takes on basically a russian superman and then does a speech and ends the cold war Hmm. and then we come to creed Absolutely. Which brings us right back to the end of this bell curve, right back once again to the start of the franchise. And it's one of the reasons why I think it has been so universally loved Mm. and so adored and so critically respected and acclaimed because it went back to the basics because what it understood was that like everyone sort of said a lot like you know when it first came out that uh ryan coogler the director writer he didn't really change anything there's not there's not too many beats in that movie that are dissimilar from other films in the franchise but the difference was that he understood at least i feel that you didn't need to treat them as important Mm. if that makes any sense well yeah so it was I guess it was it was also um, he updated it to the to the uh, the appropriate time frame and it, like he put in of course like um, you know Rocky was very much you know was he considered Italian like Rocky was well was he was he the Italian? he was the Italian stallion man yeah okay so yeah so he was considered an Italian and they like back in was it seventies eighties when Rocky came out uh, first Rocky came out. Um, Strangely enough, I think it came out around almost the same time as uh, Star Wars. I think it was around 1979, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, gotcha. No, no, no. Sorry, 76. It came beforehand. 76. Yeah, gotcha. So it was around the time where it was like, you could, like, if you had a film with, you know, a black male uh, lead, it was kind of exploitive still. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or at the birth of that, you know, that seventies, eighties, you know, mm. exploitation type films. I mean, it, yeah, I, I so, suppose, yeah, I, I guess you, I agree with you in the sense that it wouldn't have been taken seriously. Absolutely. You so, know, and then like so, like Italians or Irish, um, those are the safe people to then tell that sort of story with. Yeah. Well, Whereas, traditional racial figures of adversity in in, in that period absolutely. were. You know the italians the irish the mm. you know the blacks and everything like that if you tried to make apollo the uh le- the the main character in rocky and uh you know rocky the 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 villain or, or at least the opposing character uh people people i don't it wouldn't even have been hate like people just wouldn't have understood it because they would have asked why is he being 
because you know you just think like why is he not being like some sort of like pam greer kind of thing you know you're under arrest sugar sort of like mm-hmm. you know heightened you know yeah the do, 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 do hickey blackface you know bullshit you know honky black characters of you know the, yeah, yeah. that kind of you know mainstream cinema yeah like Skarskin hutch sort of yeah sort of exactly thing. yeah but absolutely yeah, so i mean so... that's the first real thing that really makes creed pop is the fact that they they realize that you know this is a sport that is dominated you know by black players i made a gr- and it has been and for years absolutely you go back to sugar ray leonard and all that sort of stuff and um and another thing that i i sort of like discovered when re-watching it uh, earlier today was that for the first time it throws into rather stark relief the classist and economic aspects mm. uh you know coherent with the sport when um but in a very strange way mm, that's what I like about this. It, it is a curious thing because it, it brings to the fore for the first time the understanding that um, for so many people, especially, you know, young disenfranchised black kids, this is a way for them to rise up and escape, you know, their upbringing, which is why, you know, that moment uh, early on where um, uh, Adonis goes to... Um, talk with um i will always know him as uh avon avon oh, barksdale no. from the wire I, I don't know i don't know the name of the i don't know the name of the actor yeah yeah so, but no, i'll just call, it, call uh, him avon. he goes into yeah. um and he goes and he says Apollo's, yeah uh, gym and he says train me train me train me and the guy and the, and, can start and the guy says what do you mean you've never tasted desperate you've never tasted like any of the true yeah, desire desire to, you don't need. have to fight for your life yeah you know, this is like this isn't like you either die out in the streets or you fight here that's like that's what you've never had to experience that because like he like uh what was it like eight eight to ten he um adonis was um in foster homes and all that and then after that uh mama creed comes and takes him which Within the first five minutes of a film, unpacks so much. Like even if you had not seen the um, you know the previous films, that's that's so much. It is a it is a woman who has a you know her her husband has died, and she is taking um, an error he has made in infidelity and born a child from that. And is taking that upon herself to do the right thing still. And is there is there some sort of like the thing like he's a remnant of, you know, Creed Senior. That, well, that yeah, he, he's, that, he's got that fighting. Well, I mean, spirit. and he is the relic. He is like um, I don't want to say leftover because that's the that's that sounds terrible. But um, mm. but uh, he's all that's left of what of Apollo Creed was. Yeah, it's the le- legacy and, of her husband. You know. Hmm. And she's and it's it's so much like it is so subtle and it it really talks to um, what a great film this is that so quickly in fifteen minutes it unpacks so much of the motivations of Mama Creed of Adonis 
and then it even touches base on uh, on Rocky. And it is like it unpacks so much, and then it even starts. Um, it even starts talking about like the actual players within the the world of boxing. Mm. You know, when he walks into um, the gym in LA, you know, stuntman is the guy um, that he fights that he gets knocked down against. Yeah, exactly. The one that you know, and, um, proves he ain't and ready. And that's the guy. Yeah, and that's the guy who. Uh, is then facing um, the main antagonist of the film. Um, what was it? Pretty Boy? Pretty Boy, Ricky Conlon, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, Ricky Conley, yeah. Yeah, so, and then, because he, and then so it's like, it sets up all these pieces so quickly, and yet it's so well done that you don't even realise that it's happened as quickly as it has. Well, I mean, that's... It's so digestible. That's the point of, um, you know, having only done two films. Hmm two mate well two two professional um films that's one of the charms and one of the strengths that i think that uh ryan coogler mm. has a direct as a director is that he very much guns for that uh, verite style of filming which is basically just to document mm. to to observe not to judge in any way the the nature of the situation but rather just stand back and sort of allow things to happen and that comes across a lot in like just and i gotta shout the praises of uh maurice alberti the cinematographer yeah and that woman is an absolute marvel because the way she constructs the film the fluidity of the camera the way how like in so much of the the movie it dances in scenes the same way that a fighter would and how you know in the very first fight when he's down in mexico it regards it regards uh donny from a distance stands mm. outside the uh ring for the entire time because we don't know him yet yeah and so it mirrors that same disconnect that the audience has with the character so we don't know him yet we don't understand him we might even be a little bit uh sort of apprehensive and uncaring towards him for the same yeah, reason yeah. that we like spoke about before whereas like this is a rich kid that wants to box just because he feels like it's not because like there's some sort of ingrained you know yeah, he doesn't need to he like I, I guess he feels like he's he said that he's he says that you know i've always been fighting but it's it's always been his choice to fight yeah. it's never been a necessity yes exactly and that's and that's kind of what uh, plays into him his like it's he's born into this this is not i guess this is is it this isn't a choice of his it's um you know it's hereditary it is it's a different it's a different kind of a lack of choice that these kids have whereas mm. uh you know the 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 younger ones the ones that you know avon talks about saying they don't have a choice because that's their life he doesn't have a choice because he's motivated by legacy. And I mean, look, I mean, it, and that, and that's the beauty of the film is that it makes us understand that um, both sides, both motivations have their own sense of worth. It's a beautiful scene where he's at his house and he throws onto yes. the projector that gigantic, I mean, like it's that, it's that really strange like dichotomy of because he's in a house you know you know mama creed and everything like that he's got all the wealth he could want it's a massive projector an enormous screen he throws up on youtube a fight between you know 
Apollo and Rocky, and he's standing there shadow boxing, you know, as as his he's, as his, and his shadow box as his dad. But you Apollo. but you see his dad tower over him, mm. and so it's that it's that fantastic representation of the fact that no matter what his comfort is, what his success is, you know, his ability, he's you know that white collar job that he decided to quit and everything like that he still is at the end of the day completely overshadowed and dominated by the memory of the man that bore yeah. him mm. and it's, which it's, is it's, why it's, he sees himself as rocky as opposed to apollo yeah exactly because he's he's still the underdog mm. and he's yeah and that that is that is this um this this film is him working to get out of his father's shadow but also accepting that this is who he is mm. as a man I am going to be a creed but I don't have to be underneath my father I'm my own man this is what I'm fighting for absolutely and it also comes down to like and it's another one it's that 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 same dichotomy that same kind of it's it's all this movie is all about um it's about uh, you know the unconscious drive that everyone has mm. it's about being haunted by the sins of those who have come before you about you know past desires and everything like that and it's another one of the reasons that i think this movie is an absolute cracker of a film and it's because of uh tessa thompson bianca who plays who film. plays bianca yeah who in any other kind of film would have just been a one-note, meet-cute love interest that, yeah. you know, he has a, comp he has a compulsory... Basically the Adrian. Well, yeah, and it's, 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 you could almost suggest that the, I mean, her character, I mean, obviously I don't think it is, but it is kind of, I almost feel like an unconscious criticism of the meekness and sort of one dimensionality of Adrian as a character, who's mm. basically was this meek girl that, I mean, for lack of a better word, Rocky kind of forcefully wooed. And then her role basically was relegated to looking incredibly worried in the corner yeah. of a ring. Whereas, uh, Kugler and Co. basically said, uh, "Fuck that shit. We're down with actually, you know, portraying human beings. God forbid, even if they are ethnic and women, which I know is still a Ooh, still a you such know a hot button. Well, gosh, I mean, like, well, it is though, and that's the thing. But this is, and, and that's the thing. I mean, this, great the, the, thing. the movie, the movie is a miracle purely because of that fact that." Um, you know, B. Jordan is the lead, Kugler is the director, and Tessa Thompson is the main female in it. Like it's and she's apart from Sly, there is very apart from Sly and then the English blokes. There's very few like white people in this. It is it is a film about you know the black community, and like a lot of people in like a lot of the people in Philadelphia that they go like they go to the uh, the Philly cheesesteak place. Mm. You know, it's a it's a very traditional uh, Philly cheesesteak place. It's warm community sort of thing, and it's just I I don't think you could see that sort of thing in in Rocky because it was so uh, solitary. It was about 
the man, Rocky. Yeah, and, and also... And then it was like Paulie helping the man, Adrian helping the man. Like, it was... Everyone was helping Rocky get to his goal, whereas there's so much more of it in Creed that it was so much more about uh, community. I was going to say, it's absolutely about a sense of community, about, like, you know... Yeah. He he is not just he is not just himself. He is all of Though us. He is, he, is all, he is all of us. You know, mm. he fights for himself, but he fights for all of us. Yeah, and everyone's everyone's doing their own thing. Bianca is you know she's going to become deaf soon. She's going to be deaf. Like that is an certainty sort of thing. But during her time, she is pursuing her musical career. You know, that's and that's her motivation is like I'm I'm doing this I'm you know enjoying life I'm doing what I can during this time that I have she has her own motivations towards it yeah and then she's with Adonis and that's a know? thing I mean like you know the fact that they're together is almost an afterthought to her dramatic trajectory and it's yet another mm. really sort of fascinating um, take on the the whole movie's theme of like you know what unconsciously drives us to move forward and it's really curious the way uh you know her and donnie come together because donnie wants to box because he feels some sort of uh deep-seated let's say biological or ancestral like drive to do it whereas um Bianca, in many ways, is driven to succeed out of a, out of a certain desperation and knowledge mm. that her time is so limited. Absolutely. And so it's that really strange thing that, like, you see these two characters both with, like, hopes and dreams, and if you had to sort of, like, stack them up together, you kind of basically say, look, Bianca's got so much more to lose. Absolutely. Than, than Creed does. Yeah. Yeah, Adonis, like, he's not going to... He's going to be fine if he loses. Mm. Like, he's got... He's he's well off. He's got a good education. And, like, he's... Like, if he gets hit down, then it's fine. It's just bruising his ego. Bianca's got... A, like, she has a time frame going on with her. Like, she's... This is going to happen. And that's sort of, I guess, what what like one of the few criticisms of the film I have is that they didn't, in my mind, really adequately play out the fallout that came from Donnie assaulting that musician at the her the big the big important gig that she was doing. Yeah, yeah. That she was opening for. That we built up and up and up and up and up and up to this moment where you know, this is her big break and everything like that. And he fucks it up because he's found out that Rocky's ill and everything like that. And he's not thinking straight. And this guy comes in and condescends and he does what he always does and has a crack and everything like that. And then she gets pissed at him and she leaves. And then I suppose, I guess that's the thing. It's an ex machina. I I know she turns up. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, that's the thing. Like it's that really curious dichotomy that because this is a, a Ryan Coogler film, and if you understand like uh, the other work that he's done, most notably uh, Fruitvale Station, which also starred Michael B. Uh, Jordan Michael B. and Jordan. was yeah. uh, about Oscar Grant, um, the poor guy that basically uh, got gunned down 
by the uh, Bay Area Transit Authority just for jumping a turnstile. Mm. And that whole movie was amazing. And, and the thing about it was, was that it didn't treat anything that happened in the movie with any sort of great importance. Because mm. all it was, was his last day on Earth. And nothing terribly exciting happened in, in the way that like people would uh, associate exciting with like pro- plot developments or anything like that. Yeah. He has breakfast, he, you know, has a chat, with, a his, chat with his girlfriend, he talks. And the beauty of that is by not treating it or any of the events that followed as important, the audience knowing what the end result is, because you know that he dies at the end of the movie, yeah. because it's based on the true story. It everything else prior to that is fed with this just insane level of tension and dread, mm. because you see the the gentleness and the the humanity, the humanity of, it. of it all, and the ba- yeah the basic humanity of it all, where there's no high stakes. It's just a guy trying to do right by himself, and then you and that makes you feel so much more for him when eventually it does happen and Mm. and then so when you translate that style of filmmaking i think to creed which is basically what kugler has done at the same time you still have to cleave to certain story beats yeah that produce the requisite moment of drama heightens that shit up so then there can be a reconciliation a, you know a grand moment to punctuate the uh exclamation into the final fight of the film yeah, it, and, it's very hollywood and that's the thing but it's not working through it it's just look it happens she turns up that's yeah look it's it's okay because she just turned up and then you can now do your fight and it's going to be great because you have her support which is weird it was just it was just disappointing to me and it's funny do you, do you i mean you know what like if they hadn't treated a character with such respect in the first two acts of the film i guess i probably wouldn't have noticed mm. but be- and i think i think because of it like why that was the case because they needed to set that up and i think if this film did not have sylvester stallone in it you would have had um the uh you know the reconciliation that was deserved of this film mm. of of what happened but because um bianca kind of took the back seat um once um, once he moved in to, with rocky what, yeah once he moved in with him once it became once it, 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 it stopped became, becoming about him and bianca and it immediately started becoming about him and rocky in very much the fa- yeah in the in the simple act of moving locations yeah it was exactly that and you know bianca took a back seat to rocky's illness and his fight yeah which which is not like let's not for a second let's not for a second take anything away from stallone because i mean absolutely because i mean fantastic bit an absolutely amazing performance i actually quite i quite literally can't fault it 
the scene mm. where he finds why it finds out his diagnosis is just it's a level of understated brutal and beautiful humanity that you just you wouldn't have expected from is, an actor that's is... mostly known for his more Outrage, outrageous film roles but then at the same time you understand that this is a character that he's lived with for the better part of 30 years so I mean he is Rocky yeah that that part that part of Creed reminded me of uh, the final scene of Rambo oh yes which fantastic like is such emotion it is really raw of Stallone like, because he's a very young actor at the time, so he's got a lot, a lot going on with it, and it it is so raw, and it, it but it, it has those, it has that that spark that you can see in his performances in Creed, like when he is able to act in a dramatic way, properly, like despite himself or other directors that get in his way, he is fantastic. And Kugler really, like, he got to him in such a good way that he was able to bring that out in him. I entirely agree. It's funny because, like, you know, when you look back on the very first Rocky, you know, that was absolutely a kind... It was just... It was a human portrait. Because, I mean, Mm. like, you know... I mean, never mind whatever, you know, rumour or urban legends there were about how he wrote the script in three days and everything like that. The fact of the matter was, it was basically based upon his own uh, desperation, just in a different kind of industry. But then he was able to feed that into the character so thoroughly that, you know, we absolutely believed it. Mm. And over the years, you know, the character lost that humanity because he became a caricature the same way that you know rambo became a caricature because i mean if you if you look at rambo uh three you know in afghanistan and all that sort of shit i mean like that and you try to compare that with the speech he has with uh richard krenner Mm. in the police station at the end of the first one yep yeah yeah when he's basically just weeping over his mates yeah, who have died so over, so over, over the lack of worth that he feels the society has for him, his lack of direction, all that sort of stuff. It's an, it's an absolutely like fascinating. Cause it spoke mirroring. to, it spoke to uh, the Vietnam veterans, whereas the Afghani veterans, they didn't have that same thing. You know, they, yeah. they were like after the Vietnam war, there wasn't that, um, there wasn't that ridicule. There wasn't uh, the same sort of um, like national hatred in America towards veterans. You know, well, they I mean, spat upon. Like, yeah. As opposed to all others, they were treated with the respect that was due to them. And I mean, also the the you know all that sort of stuff with the Soviets didn't last as long, mm. and it was never and it was never an overt. It was always. I mean, well, like, by, by, yeah, yeah, I mean, by the time the third, you know, like, it was always sort of like vague. Like, they, yeah, I mean, like, it got hot, like, but it was basically still a Cold War. Yeah. Fought by proxies, fought by, you know, undercovers, you know, covert 
people acting on behalf of this and that and everything else. So, like, you never sort of had that same sort of uh, mature significance. Well, yeah, outside of, like, spy films, it didn't work. Mm. Like, it, it had... It, it felt half-hearted. It was just... Yeah. It was just an enemy, an enemy that we could talk about. You know, we didn't have North Korea at the time. So... Or at least we weren't talking about North Korea at the time. So it was the Soviets then. Yeah. Like, that was that It was might as well have been. We always we always need our boogeyman. Yeah, and that's that's and really it, and, it, and it frankly it frankly doesn't even matter who it is. Mm. It's quite interesting actually because I, I read I read an interview, um, a little while back. This would have been a couple of years ago actually. It was um, in context with um, that film We Were Soldiers, the Mel Gibson one about the uh, battle in the Da Nang Valley. Yeah, yeah. During the Vietnam War and everything like that. And mm. it was um, in conjunction with a Roger Ebert uh, review where he basically said, uh, you know, that he was at a Vietnamese film festival and mm. there were a whole bunch of war films there about the war, but you never saw the faces of the enemies from the Vietnamese point of view. The nations were never named or anything like that. And it was curious because um, uh, in the interview, Ebert asked uh, one of the directors, why don't you ever name them? And the guy said, because it doesn't matter. Mm. Because they're they the enemy. They were just faceless enemies. They were the, they yeah. were all, they've always been the enemy. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that, and that was just how it was. And we saw that, and that's like, you know, Rocky IV that happened. You know, there was, it was the enemies and then it was like that resolution but what was strange was like really really the rocky series should have ended at that point because i mean like what 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 else where else can you go after you've single-handedly ended the greatest threat to human civilization with a single speech in a exhibitional mm. boxing match but at the same time doing nothing to the world at large like it it doesn't change like the world like it's not like a utopia at like in the in the next <laughs> films like it is still the world that we live in so it was like it was inconsequential it was just it stopped the cold war that was apparently going to happen like were nukes going to get dropped if drago won i can only presume what? that that was like, the case based on the context of the film that they were basically saying if if the outcome of this match was bad basically at least one continent on the planet was going to get fucked up. I kind of want that, uh, like, uh, like a, a spin-off sort of thing of like the alternate reality where that happens, and like Rocky is like a Mad Max sort of character. I was going to say, my world is pain. <laughs> <laughs> and then what they 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 discover Drago's brain that's somehow being preserved. <laughs> And they place it into a cyborg body. <laughs> Brilliant. I want to. I, I want to talk about the music of this film because, again, it feeds right back into this whole thing that we've been talking about about the dichotomy of the the ancient versus the modern, the the sense of tradition that comes with a Rocky film in terms of the beats of the character, the beats of the plot point and everything like that, but also having something new. And that's where I think employing 
the goddamn peerless uh, Ludwig Goransson, who is an mm-hmm. amazing Swedish composer, who people, uh, funnily enough, will actually recognize mostly from uh, his work on TV shows such as Community and New Girl, and also... What? Seriously. And amazing. Then, and then most recently on uh, album collaborations as a producer with Childish Gambino. Oh, really? Really? Nice. Because they met on community. Okay, I can I can hear I can hear I can hear that sort of stuff in the soundtrack. And it's this beautiful like smashing together of the the well, I don't want to say ancient, but like the the classical and the modern you know, musical motifs. And we never get, like, uh, they never, and I have to say, I actually really respect this, this, that they never, um, at any point, um, really pay tribute or, like, you know, shamelessly recreate, like, uh, or just plant a bit of uh, Bill Conti's Fly Higher. Yeah, they do. They do uh, put a bit in it, but it's never. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. Always when, overshadowed. Yeah, yeah. When he when he gets up when he gets up um, in the Ricky Conlon fight after he gets that like you know savage savage knockdown and he gets out. But it's never. It's but it's only about. But it's only about three bars. Yeah. And it's it's the perfect amount of it's the perfect amount of lip service. And it's just it's glorious. The fact that he worked with Tessa Thompson on all the songs that she writes for that movie and they're great songs in their own right which is so strange because i mean like i don't know the number of times you have like quote-unquote musicians Mm. as as characters or whatever cool Mm. well i'd rather not be cool is like a well yeah of course but it's like this there was you know legitimate musicians in that film that were actually singing their own songs for you know they actually created those songs for that sort of thing or they at least performed them for that like that was it was just rubbish as opposed to this tessa thompson like those like they're throwaway songs yeah because you hear about you hear about maybe 40 seconds of like any any one of them you know throughout the and there's like four five songs but then like you know you can download the whole album this and, li- and listen so to the whole good. thing and that shit would stand on its goddamn own as a, as a solo album I'm waiting to hear album. them in a club I would love to hear them in a club Donnie loved to so hear them good. in a club that's why he hooked up with her in the first place that's why he beat down the guy the guy who was headlining Mm-hmm. and that guy <laughs> thought it was all about the love with baby Creed but he was like nah man that ain't me and then you know a Baby black Creed, man, Baby a black Creed. man hit another black man, and race relations well, in America got set back at least twenty five years. At least that's what. Well, yeah, the producers, the producers like required that sort of thing. It's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Why is there no uh, black on black violence? We can't have this. This is Hollywood. I know it's not Chicago, but could you at least give like the suggestion that? Um, black people as a whole aren't aren't together yeah, come because on, other because man. other people because Whoa. otherwise white people are going to get nervous they're going to think and, that and, like, and black then, lives and that, and matter that, man whoa nah man hashtag all lives matter oh god 
Well, if we didn't piss off enough people, we're certainly doing it now. Well, look, I mean, uh, well, I was going to say... Well, I they're mean, racist like, bigots, so go fuck I mean, themselves. Well, exactly. So, I mean, there you are. But, I mean, look, I, I insulted American veterans in our last recording. Not that they know that, because you took that part out of it. But I very much did, and I, I stand by that statement. But, uh... <laughs> just... Oh, subscribe to our hidden tracks for all the deleted scenes from every episode. All right, in the future, eventually, when we have, like, you know, like, a season of episodes, eventually we're going to have to release a series of outtakes. And it'll be called... And deleted uh, scenes, yeah. Or deleted scenes, and I'm not sure what it'll be called, but... Uh, too risque for primetime listening. <laughs> I was going to say too hot for TV, but... Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'd love for it to be called too hot for TV. Yes, too hot for TV. Just All because, right, cool. just because it would provoke an insane amount of trollish nitpicking on YouTube <laughs> for no, for no, for no reason whatsoever. I just, I don't know. I'm sorry. The idea, the idea of pissing off a whole bunch of like pedantic strangers really appeals to me. Yeah, shout out to all of our YouTube listeners who watch uh, the <laughs> watch our uh, our program. <laughs> That comment was directed at you. Yeah. Please field your comments to us and we will not read them. Ever. <laughs> I have way too little self-respect to, to subject myself to the, the horrors of uh, internet judgment of our, of, our, of our actions. No way, man. No way. I choose to live in a fantasy world where people actually like respect and adore our opinions. <laughs> that is a big fantasy you got going for yourself. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I, I, I actually just realized the hilarity of that. In the moment of actually saying it. So, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, let's get into the hymn. Because, we, well, I, as we chatted previously, this very much is, I mean, when we sort of this like, This is not you know, a Rocky film. No, it's not. And that's, and that's the beautiful thing about it. And it's the one thing that I sort of have to like claim respect to uh, Sly for sort of basically saying, I will, I will not write this movie. I will not direct this movie. I will give of this character that I have shepherded through film and popular culture for more than 30 years now, I will mm. take a chance with this guy and assume that he's going to do right by him. And it paid off. And it's a beautiful coda. It's a beautiful, like, you know, because I, it's almost, again, I don't know if it's a conscious, like, you know, uh, act or not. But again, like, his struggle with... Um, uh, was it, it was a form of can cancer, wasn't it? Like uh, Hodgkin's yeah, lymphoma. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, almost yeah. it's almost like uh, an unconscious, like you know, riposte to all the previous movies where he was basically invincible. Yeah, it really it like five and six shouldn't have happened because you know four happened that he was on top of the world. Hmm. And then literally the next time we because see he him, finished his fucking montage on the top of an icy mountain screaming absolutely. Drago 
and yeah. then he he, he was beat, ready. He, he beat Russia single handed. Yeah, <laughs> he did all of that. He like and and then next we see him. He is, you know, he's at his restaurant. You know, he's he's just working that. He's just a regular guy. He doesn't want the spotlight. He doesn't want to deal with anything. He's living back at his house. Well, mortality has struck him. His yeah, wife's dead. He's lost, his, his wife's he's dead. Lost his, his, wife, his, his, his best mate's Paulie. dead. His son has, wants nothing to do with him. He's in fucking Canada yeah. enjoying their free health care. He doesn't give a shit about him. So it's very much, yeah, a dramatic realignment of his character back into the realms of reality. Mm. And he, yeah, and then it is his, his, his last, whether he's in like the next like Creed 2 or anything like that, that's his last big fight is against cancer. Yeah. You know, it is the great equalizer because if you live long enough through anything, you're probably going to, you know, enter into cancer. And that's the thing. And I mean, like, and he beat that. So like, you know, Mm. at the end of the day, he finally did win. And so I suppose like, should, should we suggest like, you know, as we kind of approach the the nadir of like our conversation, would you suggest that there is a potential for this to turn into its own kind of franchise? I really hope so. This film, like, oh, if it does become a thing, uh, Kugler would have to keep going with it. I don't know whether he'd do it though. Yeah, I mean. He doesn't, he doesn't strike have the, me as he doesn't a sort have a track of, record. That's the thing. I mean, like you know, we he's don't a, know yet. There's only his second movie, and I mean, like it's that kind Plus of strange. Plus, he's got Marvel money a, going on. That's indeed correct. And I suppose what I'd say to that is that knowing that he doesn't have a track record so far, and I mean, like I mean, look, it's it's kind of like insane to presume that like someone who's done two films uh, is one of those sorts of guys that like I don't do sequels. Mm sorts of thing but um it is that curious thing that now that he's been signed on to uh do black panther and this i mean like i don't want to get into this too much because this is a conversation we could have for a long while but it's a trend that i've noticed in a lot of blockbuster movies marvel movies and other movies in general is the the poaching of the the proven critically acclaimed indie filmmaker to then lend cultural credible and critical credence to a blockbuster yeah well it happened with uh with godzilla with uh edwards gareth edwards uh, he's now, it, hap- it happened yeah, he's now off uh godzilla too exactly he left i think and i think he probably and uh what was the the phrase i heard is that uh he wanted to pursue, uh, pursue, sorry, smaller projects of more interest to him. So that's a rare example. Yeah. That's a rare example of a guy actually bucking the trend. Now, would but, that I mean, happen with Kugler? Mm, because he's, he's now got he's got potentially now two franchises that he could carry with him. Exactly. And and I suppose like, one this would, is well, important. I suppose, I suppose one would hope that I guess you could try and understand the 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 split personality between a franchise such as creed and a franchise such as the black panther mm. and they are because, different they are different films they are oh heavens to betsy they are different films and i mean leaving aside the fact that uh he's got michael b jordan in his uh corner for that film as well now 
Yeah, three for three. Very quickly turning into a Scorsese De Niro dynamic here. Hey, I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely like, fine with uh, that as well. B. Jordan is the best thing in most films that he's in. It's funny because he's... we we haven't we haven't spoke. I mean, I spoke about like the fact that you know Avon Barksdale, you know the the guy from The Wire. I mean, like, but that was one of Michael B. Jordan's first roles. Mm. Was in The Wire back when he was 15. Yeah, as a God, as yeah, as, yeah. as the lowly gangbanger kid, and I forget I forget um I forget his name I forget his character's name. I, it was but a it, small role, but yeah, yeah but he but he died yeah. in like season three, and it's that beautiful trajectory now that's like you know, so. I mean, like I I expect he is nothing. He's a fantastic but... actor, and he was in uh, he was in uh, Chronicle, correct? He was indeed. Yeah. Yeah, and, that was that yeah. was sort of his first major film role yeah post, and then post fruit, the wire and then fruitvale station fruitvale was station. Uh, was before or, uh, no that was uh 2013 so it was, it was after yeah it was after so you know he's he's really apart from fantastic four he's really hit the right film well i mean that's the thing and it's the mark of a good actor that he hasn't let a bad franchise drag him down as uh well for lack of a better word product i hate to refer to actors as products but like in certain like circles it hasn't diminished his own brand exactly there we go that's the phrase i was looking for yeah hey human torches uh the Human Torch always gets out of uh, those franchises. I was going to say, well. I was going to say, the Human Torch has an excellent track record of being in mediocre Fantastic Four movies and then making it massive in Marvel movies. Can we just like pause to appreciate the absolute irony of the fact that Fox like... has that Fox that Fox has lost out twice now with with, so with, with, with Human Torches. And has basically been snapped up by Marvel in this... Like, the casting this, director this, needs this, to be... In this glorious moment of Fox going, oh, wait, but won't that, like, create uh, brand confusion amongst consumers? And Marvel has basically just lifted a middle finger that could blot out the sun and gone, uh, yeah, but also, fuck you, Fox. <laughs> Anytime you want to give us back X-Men and Fantastic Four, we're ready and waiting to actually make them decent properties again. <laughs> it would, yeah. It, I, I think that casting director uh, for Fox needs to be hired by Marvel. It just like just cut out the middleman. Just like, okay, who are you? Who are you anticipating for this? And just, yes. yep. All right, cool. We'll do that. Oh bless! That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! So I mean, like, I guess, like, yeah, we've 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 skirted around the topic, but um. So yes, Ryan Coogler, at the moment anyway, I mean, things always change, but at the moment, Ryan Coogler is slated to direct and possibly also write the new Black Panther movie starring, Mm -hmm. um, oh, hell. Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, that's correct. As Black Panther. As the eponymous Black Panther. As T'Challa. T'Challa, the the king and protector of the Mm -hmm. nation state of Wakanda briefly mentioned in the uh regrettably mediocre avengers 2 age of ultron but uh having a far larger role to play in the uh imminently being released uh 
Captain America 3 Civil War. At the so, time of the recording, I've yet to see it. Indeed. I've seen it once, and I would desire to see it again, but uh, viewers, indeed, that is going to be the topic of our next discussion. I think it's going to be Absolutely. an it's going to be an interesting discussion purely because it kind of cleaves it you know whether you like it or not rather it cleaves back to um, the discussion of the first film we ever reviewed Batman vs Superman because it tackles a whole bunch of the same themes about uh, superhero accountability in a world that's no longer willing to accept uh, their autonomy in action in the face of uh, unacceptable collateral damage. It's also mm. coming down to the fact that uh, certain facets of these teams are going to be in war against each other, you know, differing ideologies, all that sort of stuff. And uh, so I, it it'll also be, it'll seems be interesting. like just fighting because of the sake of fighting. Well, also, yes, but I guess we will uh, address how effective that narrative element was in this movie versus Batman v Superman when we review it next week. And indeed, uh, a whole bunch of other comparisons that we could make to that movie. Because if we, if, if we, if we call this movie, uh, you know, if we call Civil War exactly what we would call Batman v Superman, which is basically an excuse, a very expensive excuse to... Uh, put forward and uh, advance the plot on a whole bunch of extra shit that's going to go down in the Marvel Universe, the same as the uh, DC film universe going on. How effective was I, that? I, I mean, like, because, I mean, like, we can we can talk until the cows come home about, like, you know, how much DC was able to set up, you know, Justice League, and we can talk about how much uh, Civil War sets up uh, the inevitable march towards um, the Infinity Wars that is going to come, but I think mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's about the ability that these filmmakers had, in this case uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of uh, Winter Soldier, which is still in my mind the best Marvel movie the best ever made. Marvel movie, absolutely. Ever made by a goddamn country toe -toe mile. With, uh, Daredevil, the Dead, Daredevil season one and and uh, and Winter Soldier are the two best properties to come out of uh, the Marvel. Oh, best in. believe. I mean, I would mm. I would I would argue there's certain moments in season two of Daredevil, uh, mostly to do with uh, Joe Bernthold's uh, Punisher. Yes, Specific I think specifically, Jones does beat out anything to do with uh, the Punisher in season two. I think that's a as on a, a on, a, on, a, on, a, on a holistic sense, absolutely. But I have a soft spot for the graveyard scene in episode four of season two of Daredevil. Good point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because that is it is fantastic. An absolute masterclass in acting, and in not a single one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films have you seen a level of humanity and pathos and acting on par with what Bernthal gives to the Punisher in that scene, in that show. And so we can only hope that there's uh, that certain rumours about uh, the inclusion of Daredevil and uh, others, maybe in Infinity Wars, might hold to be true. Could do. Only time will tell. But indeed, I and feel really, like... And really, it is... It, uh... 
you know, every week, every month, uh, it all changes. Uh, I believe uh, just the other day, Margot Robbie had uh, talked, uh, you know, the WB into having uh, the Harley Quinn solo film and potentially uh, a Bird of Prey film as well that she would be in. I did actually, yeah, I read that as well. I mean, uh, in the sense that the Bird of Prey would be the uh, villain to uh, that movie. Which is oh gosh, we could we could we we, we could go down a slippery Train slope wreck, once again of uh, discussing Warner Brothers' pathological but... inability to actually like <laughs> give true justice to their characters. I mean, it filled me with absolute dread when uh, you know because we know now that it, uh, a solo Batman film with Affleck is absolutely happening. That Affleck mm-hmm. is absolutely directing, but then the news that came about a week or week or two ago that basically said it won't just be one villain; it'll be name-checking most of Batman's classic villains. Wow! Oh, I'm sure it's going to be great. I mean. Well, that's Spider-Man the thing I don't Three was really good because it had three villains in it, and that's of course you would need more in it. Because, I mean, like say what you will about Affleck as an actor, as a filmmaker, I thought he had more sense. I think okay, so at that point, I think that's I think that is an issue with um, Jeff Jones, uh, the uh, uh, writer and executive at uh, DC Comics. Um, not quite understanding uh, the way that comics translate to uh, movies uh, because um, in comic books it's very, 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 very easy to have you know 15 to 20 uh, villains within the course of three pages. Whereas in a film, you really can't do that without some sort of payoff or like establishing, mythos to them Mm. purely because um where comic books expect you to go read uh previous issues movies try and hold you to you know you should we're gonna we're gonna show you everything that needs to be before you get to the payoff so it's gonna be very interesting once again this is this is a batman that kills and you know, why does he have as many villains as he does? Who the fuck knows? It's all. Who the fuck cares? Be... Is what I would argue. I feel like we should revisit that point when uh, Suicide Squad comes out in uh, August. But until then, I think we'll just uh, leave that conversation exactly where it is. Otherwise, we will be here for another hour and we... a half. Lord knows we, we can really talk. Need we to we, make we, sure we, that we can we talk. get away from DC as much say. as possible. So um, look, we're going to uh, for our next conversation, we're going to chat about uh, Captain America, the Civil War, and then after yeah. that, we are going to just purely for our own benefit and for the benefit of our audience, just for the sake of changing things up we're going to completely divorce ourselves from the blockbuster as much as humanly possible and we're going to talk about the oscar nominated film the big short absolutely those so big short we've we've kind of talked about like as a very interesting film and yeah it is absolutely it is so far away like we talk about creed and then 
you know, given the news of Black Panther, like, you know, it kind of all set up as like, oh, well, we're still following some sort of trend. Unless Andrew McKay, like, ends up, like, ending up directing, like, Ant-Man 2 or something like that. Well, he did, very... he did He did write it. I was hoping you wouldn't actually... Well, no, he edited, oh, he, no. edited, he edited the script on it. So, I mean, like, you know what? Uh, <laughs> oh, God damn it. Shit, we've done it. Oh, we are for... We, I guess, are, we are forever I guess married that's... to the reality that most movies now, whether they want to or not, are, it's that six degrees of separation thing. That's that We're all Bacon circling thing. a superhero film. I was going to say Supernova, but okay. Oh! No, Nova is not, uh, not going to be in any um, Marvel films just yet, so uh, well, probably we got not some yet. time for that. Let, let, let's talk about phase, let, let, maybe Phase 6 or something. <laughs> let's wait till uh, Doctor Strange uh, we joke, out, we, 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 can, uh... we joke about that, but that shit's going to happen. Let's just be aware. Hey, that's just Green Lantern for the Marvel Universe. It's yeah. going to happen. Mm. Except it's going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and good gracious me on that note i feel like we've exhausted our uh topic thank you for listening yeah. uh to yeah. our discussion Thanks for listening. this week we as usual went uh completely off tangent uh, uh multiple points throughout the discussion but i i'm happy with what we had a chat about actually absolutely so. like creed is a fantastic film and i really can't like praise it enough like we saw it like you were back in brisbane for the t- uh, for a short amount of time and you talked me into like hey let's go see creed and i was like yes i, knew I did. about it but i didn't like it wasn't like on you know the top you know the top of the list or anything like that and you talked me into it you know as you often do to go see it and i was absolutely blown away like it is such a fantastic film and i and i feel a lot of the stuff that surrounds it um is what we talk about it is really what we do in most of our podcasts so um but it is a fantastic film and if you have not seen it um i don't understand why you haven't but you should go see it because it is a fantastic film don't don't it... don't see it um with the expectation that as like as we so sort of hackney described at the beginning of the podcast that it is uh rocky seven it's not it is it's, its it is its own beast and like uh dare i say it it's worth the price of admission alone for the uh boxing scene in the middle of the movie where in a single unbroken take they go through an introduction an approach to the ring and two whole rounds of boxing without cutting the camera it is one of the mm. greatest modern instances of cinematography i've ever seen in a film and absolutely all credit must once again go to maurice alberti who is just an absolute godsend ryan coogler director screenplay story writer sylvester the Sloan man is a visionary for bringing the game and for bringing the trust to a new filmmaker and the ability to go with this modern interpretation of his character and a modern interpretation of the franchise in general michael b jordan for giving his absolute all and bringing an entirely new character that could absolutely make his place and his presence known in sequels as well as tessa thompson an amazing you know uh, female co-star and equal and better 
than uh, Michael B. Uh, Jordan's character in very, very many ways. Finally, of course, Ludwig Granson as for the music, you know, Michael uh, Schauver as the editor, along with Claudia Costello, a whole just incredible team. This movie, beyond anything else, is evidence of exactly what kind of amazing work you can do when you surround yourself with a team of just consummate genius professionals mm, absolutely absolutely could not have said it better myself of course uh we didn't do it last episode but uh the episode before that shout out to scoop mcnary thank you absolutely so much fantastic actor. i love Thanks you for listening as always scoot please uh, god if you do want to uh come on to the uh the show we'd love to have you uh but for everyone else that uh is enjoyed the episode uh please Leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us. Um, our hiatus probably knocked us back a few uh, bits. Uh, probably Brendan Fraser podcast is uh, is hurtling towards no, uh, bedazzled. No, I refuse to believe it. Uh, so really, we can't we can't help with that. Uh, only uh, you, the listener, can help with that. If you could leave us a review, please five stars. It helps us so much. Um, Absolutely. If you actually do leave a review um, and put something into it, we'll actually read it out in the next episode. I will, I will give you that. We will take up a bit more time on that. So, yeah, that's let's open that floodgate. God, we're goes. gonna do shout. We're gonna do shout outs. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna whore ourselves out. If you if you write us a review, we'll read it out. All right, absolutely. All right, Thirty-five stars. If you're a one star, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> yes, of course. Um. <laughs> but, uh, yep, so, um, you know, as always, you can go to our website uh, from the silverscreen.com. You can follow us on there. You can follow us on all of our social media things. Go to the website. It has all the links there. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Tregenza. Damien, you're not on Twitter, but people can find you on Instagram and Facebook and all of that. Absolutely. Instagram, Damien underscore Danaher, all one word on Facebook. If you dare to try and friend me, I'm sure eventually I'll like get back to you at some point. And um, look, I'll probably mistake you for, you know, someone who's trying to sell me a house, which is like a big thing at the moment. So if I don't get back to you eventually, or if I get back to you with a list of furniture that I've got, please believe that, I mean, either way, I do care about your input. So, uh, you know what? Potato, potato. <laughs> Unless you give us one friends star. Here. At least you give us one star, in which case um, I hope you die in a car fire. And on that note, um, great to be back, Josh. Absolutely. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. I'm looking forward to this uh, new direction that we're going in. I always feel like the, uh, you know, Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman was a kind of standalone duologue. And now we're sort of going to... It was to... the prep work. It was the prep yeah. work. It was the prep work. And this is the true birth of the uh, channel. So for the uh, faithful that have uh, listened to us so far, thank you so much for your support. We hope it continues onwards. We hope uh, to uh, continue, uh, you know, chatting and enjoying ourselves and uh, basically just uh, shooting the shit about, um, you know, one film that uh, we've claimed to discuss and then basically tangentially discussing about six or seven other films also, which I would argue, if nothing else, is just good bang for your buck. So, uh, in other words, Absolutely. you're welcome, Internet. 
<laughs> and with that, thank you very much, uh, listeners. Uh, we will talk to you next time when we uh, talk about the Civil War. Bye-bye. give a shout out to Scoop McNary each episode. I was gonna I was gonna actually ask you, should we make that like uh Jimmy Kimmel Matt Damon thing? Yes. I wanna get it to the point that we keep doing it to the point that if we can get Scoot McNeary I feel like that's a good place to go. Like Scoot is is isn't love, famous I, enough. I was but gonna he's say, famous enough. I was gonna say I love that um level of audaciousness. That we, that we obviously that we, listens that, to that, us. That, that we want Scoot. <laughs> scoot and Scoot and only Scoot. <laughs> Just a no shout one to him knows each time. who he is. <laughs> <laughs>